If you think of the Charles Darwin quote, it's not the strongest that survived, it's the most adaptable to change. That's never been more apropos in business than it is today. You're listening to Dare to Reimagine, a podcast for CX innovators brought to you by Five9. Each episode will bring you bold new ideas from the innovators who are transforming customer experience and changing the way businesses connect with customers. We dream big, we don't hold back, and we dare to reimagine the customer experience. Ready? Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Dare to Reimagine podcast. My name is Jennifer Murphy, Chief Marketing Officer at Five9, and today's podcast I am calling F4F, aka Sales and Service, Are They Friends or Foes? Now, to help us unpack this topic, I am joined today by Zaius Caravella, Founder and Principal Analyst at ZK Research. Zeus, welcome. I know this is a topic that you have been interested in for several years, and you actually did a No Jitter article at the start of the year talking about just that, the integration of sales and service. So tell us a little bit more. What's the trick to integrating sales and service and why is it so important? Yeah, it's interesting you call it friends or foe. And I guess maybe it doesn't matter if it's friends or foe because what they say, keep your friends closer and your your enemies closer. So Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Channel some godfather. (laughs) Yeah, I suppose either way it works. You know, I, I think this happens to a lot of companies, right? They have silos within the company of different groups that reach out to customers. You have sales, marketing, inside sales, customer success, field service. Then you have your contact center. And what happens is you can have these very inconsistent interactions with customers that can actually cause customers frustration when you're trying to perhaps do a good thing. You know, for instance, let's say you call into the contact center, you've got a problem with the product and you have a bad interaction. And then all of a sudden, maybe inside sales reaches back out to that customer. They're not aware of that problem and they try and sell the customer more stuff. Well, that's going to irk the customer. Maybe if they had known about the bad interaction, they could have positioned the entire process a little differently and said, we understand you had the bad interaction, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Customer, we would like to help you with that. We're gonna offer you a discount, a promotional discount off this or whatever. And maybe it's even the same price, right? But the whole way it's approached, you know, can make a big difference. And I had talked to one, one company about this where they had come out with an email campaign from sales and when customers were calling in, the context under the some of the customers asked the agent about it, and the agent had no idea what the customer was talking about, right? So now you're putting your agent in a bad position just to start the interaction. Customer probably thinks, well, how do they not know about this, right? They're one company, but indeed it's it's different sets of data. Now, one of the, the big transitions that happened in our industry was we had this big movement of these customer support tools like Contact Center to the cloud. And that allowed us to make it available to different groups that aren't in that physical in that physical location. And so this has been a trend I've been following for a while. More and more companies, as they move their contact center to the cloud, wind up giving non-contact center agents access to those seats. So in fact, one company I talked to, they moved 50 agents to the cloud. That's all the agents they had. And then they, they adopted, uh, actually, I believe it's one of your customers, 100 more seats that weren't contact center people because that, and, and the reason is they want a common data set. So when dealing with a customer, you have to understand that end-to-end customer journey, and that requires a single source of truth. And most companies don't have that. And 
you know, I know you guys are very active with artificial intelligence. Lots of other companies are and trying to find ways to analyze the data to find those key insights. In, in data sciences, there's an axiom that's said good data leads to good insights. And that's true. But siloed data leads to partial insights. And so what co- most companies have today are these partial insights where one group can tell you this about a customer and another group can tell you this about a customer, but nobody's really trying to correlate that that together. And that's why it's so important to bring together all those different groups that touch the customers. And historically, I think they have been foes, uh, to your point, but I I do think they need to be friends and best friends at that. Yeah, no, completely. And I think this elusive data, almost like customer 360, right? There are so many different ways that you can allude to it. But I like what you said about the the silo data leading to partial insights and the need to correlate data as well. Because I think we do sometimes a lot of, and we see this with our customers, you know, there's individual departments and they're working on things and each department is doing something great for the customer, but just if they came together, how much more powerful that could be. And so a key to that is data. So what about data integrations, right? Are we advocating for a single data platform? Are data integrations enough? How can people thinking about this and wanting to sort of get further along, how should they be thinking about how to bring their data sources together? Well, I suppose in a perfect world, you would want one single data set. But in actuality, that's just not realistic. You know, I suppose if you're a very small company, you might be able to do that. But most large companies are going to use best of breed or at least best of suite for certain tools. And so I, I, I do think that data integrations become very important, making sure that when you choose a CRM vendor, it integrates with your contact center, which integrates with your customer journey tools and things like that. So there's also web analytics, there's digital experience monitoring. Right. So all of those things are part of the touch point with the customer. And if you think about the customer journey, it's not just the journey within that silo. And I think that's what most people think of as customer journey. But it's it's from the first touch point, the very first time the customer goes to your website, all the way through last interaction. That's the end-to-end journey. And so in that, you're going to wind up with five, six, seven, maybe a, you know, a dozen tools in there and a dozen data sets. So as many of those as you can integrate together, the better. I do think you you do need to think about eventually trying to move to a common platform, at least for the communications with the customer, right? A lot of the real-time stuff. And so that's why so many of the leading companies I work with are actually trying to use the contact center as that versus trying to use, you know, your traditional unified communications tools and things like that. The channels are all the same. It's it's what do you do with it and how do you leverage that data? So I don't I don't believe we're ever going to get to a single unified back-end database. But I do think the more integrations we can do, the better. And this is why, actually, there's been a big shift in the industry more to cloud-native platforms and cloud-native development, because the more cloud-native you are, the easier it is to integrate those things together. And so that's, as companies go about evaluating their vendors, they need to think about that. It's it's, it's ensured that they are using, you know, cloud-native capabilities, because it does help make data integration easier. Yeah, no, that's that's a key one. I think the cloud native capabilities, you know, putting more emphasis in the RFIs and RFPs on APIs, integrations, SDKs, what comes out of the box, what can you pull yourself, you know, what what integrations. And you said, you know, I think the key thing that you said there is something we'll forget when we, you know, we get into our own worlds is put yourself in the shoes of the customer. 
because, you know, I mean, as a CMO, right, I own the website. I don't own customer support, but I need to make sure that, you know, I'm fully communicating internally with my customer support team about the communications that they're sending out that might happen when a customer comes to the website and has a chat, as an example, right? That needs to be integrated. We need to be able to connect those dots. So I think that's a, a really key part. And a word of, you know, wisdom to the vendor community, I know it's it's very common wisdom to think if you close your platform, you can hold your customer hostage and they can't move off your platform, but you need to be open. And it's been proven over time across many industries, openness drives adoption. And, and that's something I think a lot of vendors have a hard time getting their head around. They wanna come up with these closed platforms and then build more and more of the stuff themselves and try to lock that customer in but invariably that works against the vendor. You need, every vendor needs to be open. And I implore every vendor out there, be open because it drives greater adoption and then everybody wins. And that's that's how you create that rising tide. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And, and, and that's it. A lot of time, I think uh, product teams are under the misinterpretation that stickiness will come from having a closed platform. It won't because if more people can build on top of your platform, if more people can integrate into your platform, if you share your data, that's when the excitement of creating products comes in because it's not holding people hostage. It's about how can you give people value on top of your platform? And one of those value aspects definitely comes from the openness to it. So we talked a little bit about data, talked about the importance of the customer journey. So who are some of the players in this? So in 2022 and, and beyond, who is making some of those decisions about customer journey, about how to th- put ourselves in the shoes of the customer? Is it the contact center leaders? Is it customer service, marketing, IT? Who are some of the key players in your mind? Well, yes, <laughs> it's really all of those. All of the above. Yeah, there, there, there is a, uh, obviously there's a contact center operations team. They play a very important role for inbound communications, more and more for outbound as well. You do have an inside sales team. I think any company that sells subscription software needs to have a customer success team to make sure the customers using the tools. And then there's that whole team of you know people like yourself on the marketing side that deal with you know with web analytics and digital experiences and things. And more and more though, I do see companies, I think it's necessary to have a chief experience officer. And you need to, to look at things through the lens of the customer. And sometimes, you know, that's an obvious thing to say, right? Look at things through the lens of the customer, but it's a very hard thing to actually implement. And because most people just aren't aware of all the, the different touch points. And I do think a chief experience officer can help. And, and the reason I say that is because customer experience is now the number one brand differentiator. You know this being in marketing, right? All companies that offer great experiences gain disproportionate share. I don't care how good your product is. I don't care how good your people are, or how good your pricing are. Bad experience leads to customer churn. And just to you know, give you a quick uh, data point for my research, millennials last year, Uh, According to my research, two-thirds of them admitted to changing loyalties to a brand because of one bad experience, right? And so that number tends to vary across different age demographics. Millennials were the highest, but every age demographic shows that we have so much choice today. And I think the only way that a company can really understand the the impact the customer is is to have a chief experience officer that has a seat at the table, that is able to make those decisions and then 
you know, push push down that you know the mandates from the company. It's it's not a, a lot different than what happened in corporate IT years and years ago, where a lot of companies at first didn't have a chief information officer. You know, they had different groups within the company, and then they eventually rolled them up. So, I, I do think that, you know just thinking along that lines, the the world has changed, right? And so the C level structure within companies needs to change along with it. It has, and, and and the point you made about the switching costs. I mean, that is so true. I, anyone that thinks that loyalty is set loyalty has to be earned on an ongoing basis on a daily basis on a minute by minute basis right every single time you have and and we interact with these brands so often in so many different ways across so many different channels loyalty has to be consistently earned over and over again and anyone who thinks that they've got a loyal customer and they can set it and leave it that they're going to be in trouble they're going to be in some big trouble this is why the tools are important, right? Because I, I and the data that you have, because it's unfair to put your staff in a position where they don't have the right data and you're putting them in a position that they're going to fail right away. In fact, I look at what's going on in the world today. We talk a lot about the great resignation, right? It's been well documented. 55% of Americans are going to change jobs here. And so this creates an unprecedented pool of talent available to be hired. And people today... This isn't just about offering people the most money to come work there. People want to work for companies that are going to make them successful. And you do that with the right tools. You make sure, the, especially for customer-facing people, they have the right information. They have the right recommendations. And so it's not just about training your employees to be friendly and be nice and empathetic. That's all important. But if they don't have the right data, they're being set up to fail. And you're going to churn your employees much faster than companies that have the best, the better tools. Yeah, and we all know, especially in the contact center, contact center churn, you know, is not- can be notoriously high, right, in the 30s and 40s, and it stayed that way for a long time. And I agree with you, right? No one, you know, the agent on the other side of the phone, they don't want to look like a fool, right? They don't want to sound like a fool to the customer and not know what's going on in their own company. So I think, yeah, impact data is power, and it empowers those agents to provide that great service. And I actually sat with, so I was doing a, a some side by side calls uh, the other week I posted about this on LinkedIn and it was amazing because when the agents were doing the routine tasks and they were just doing the password changes and those things it was okay they were doing it but they lit up when they really got to help a customer with a problem and with something that required them to use multiple parts of their skill set. It required them to show empathy. It required them to go and look in all of the, you know, in the CRM and and use actually a UC integration to go and chat with their supervisor about how they could problem solve. That's when the agent lit up. That's when the agent was engaged. And afterwards, you know, speaking to them, they were like, that's the stuff that I love doing. When I get to do that on a daily basis, I like coming to work. I like my job. I've experienced this myself when I call companies and the agent doesn't have good tools, the agent will complain about it you know, to the customer. And how does, how does that make the customer feel, right? This is a company that can't even take care of its own employees. Why am I doing business with them? But I understand why the agent's doing that. This is, I'm probably the 10th person that's called in and complained about this thing. And the agent's taking the brunt of it. And I try and be very careful not to always blame the agent because it's not, it's not their fault. No, but that, but they are on the receiving end of it a lot of the time. So we've got to set them up for success. So tell me, who do you see doing it right? You know, if you have to talk to a customer experience that you've really enjoyed, have you got one that, that's top of mind? Yeah, I talked to this online retailer in Europe a little while ago that actually had integrated everything from the sales all the way through uh, customer support 
And they're very, and they, they actually integrated with the back end, a lot of back end product analytics as well. So for instance, they had a situation where they had a product they were selling that the vendor issued a known bug. Now, typically what would happen is uh, with a problem like that is you, the, you would ship the product to the customer, customer would realize, oh, there's a problem. They'd call back into the contact center, the contact center would have no idea that there's a problem. And then you start that whole RMA process, right, to return the product and things like that. And it creates a lot of frustration on all sides. Well, they knew this problem had an, this product had an issue because the vendor had announced it. They proactively issued an email to the customer saying that when you receive it, this may happen. If it does, call in, mention this to our contact center, and we'll automatically have something shipped back to you and stuff. So they were able to, to bring together purchasing information, product analytics from the vendor, which obviously you need, and then mix that in with their customer service and their customer support. And uh, it, they said the, the actual churn rate of customers went way down, the, their CSAT scores went up as well. And so that, you know, that's, that, that was a pretty interesting case study. Another one was one of the big hotel chains in the U.S. They've moved to a model where, you know, obviously hotels are more than just stay the night. They have a lot of them have timeshare programs and, you know, they have vacation packages and things like that. All those used to be separate. And so they were telling me that a single customer, you know, often one that has, you know, fairly good status, a good loyalty customer was getting just hammered with different promotions and offerings. Some of them contradict other ones and things like that. And the contact center wound up taking the brunt of it because they're the one who had to sift through it and try and help the customer figure it out. And so that's become a unified system now. And so they don't do multiple reach outs with different programs, which again is very inconsistent. And so this is, and, and, and that to me is something that is almost, you would expect that. It's common sense. So many of these things, if you, but the thing is, is I think customer experience is so important and, but time, right? Sometimes, you know, people don't have time within these companies to take a step back and they have to make time to take a step back and look at the customer journey and look at the data requirements and say, hang on, what experience am I creating for my customers right now? And and sometimes that's what it takes. It takes that just stepping back a little bit and having a bit of time to, to do it. So no, this is great. So I, I've, I've, been taking, uh, I've been taking some notes as things have come in. I, I'm going to say three things I'm taking away. Proactive communications, the importance of proactive communications, the importance of integrated data, and the importance of having an open platform. Yes. Those, I think, are three key takeaways. Now, one thing we do like to do on the Dare to Reimagine podcast, uh, Zeus, is to come up with a tip of the week. So is that you've already shared some uh, great wisdom and some great thoughts, but is there a stat, a fact, a resource that you would point people to that sort of says, hey, here's how you can really make some of these practical, tangible changes in order to create this great customer experience and, and apply that common sense. Yeah, well, I, I think that, you know, the data points I gave were, were supportive of the customer churn and, you know, millennial adoption, things like that. I, I do think that uh, from a customer perspective, the best way to get started is you evaluate your tools moving forward, do your homework and ensure that, when the customer, when the vendor says they're that they're a cloud-based, it's you know make sure that it's fully modernized cloud. Ask them questions about openness. Ask them questions about APIs and uh, low code, no code, right? And think of this the whole world of composability that's coming, because the term cloud, frankly, is you know no offense to you, Jennifer, I know you're in marketing, but is one of the most overused marketing terms. 
And in the communications industry, there's a lot of older platforms out there that were just old platforms that were pushed up into a data center. That to me is not cloud. And if you don't start with a good foundation of openness, then you're going to wind up in a situation where you can't adopt, adapt in the future. So the one thing I can tell you out there is that two years from now, five years from now, things are going to change. What I can't tell you is how they're going to change, right? Because this world moves so fast and you have to have an open agile platform. So as things change, you can change along with it. Don't be afraid to be a little risky, right? That's one of the things cloud affords us is that we can be risky. We can try things and we can not do it. But if you don't start with that underlying foundation of a true open cloud native platform, you're going to wind up in a situation where you simply can't evolve fast enough. And so if you think of the Charles Darwin quote, it's not the strongest that survives, it's the most adaptable to change. That's never been more apropos in business than it is today. Yeah, no, I, I think that's excellent. And I, I can tell you, you know, if we were playing buzzword bingo, cloud and platform are two of the most dangerous words. And I love your piece of advice to dig in when you are a customer asking vendors and make sure that there's the meat behind what does cloud and platform really means. And it means open, it means agile, it means adaptable, and it means scalable. And all of those things you've got to have proof points for. I like that. Challenge your vendors. I like it. Thank you very much. I was going to say, don't be afraid to switch vendors either. I know in IT, purchasing is often easy to make an incumbent purchase. And, you know, the phrase, you never get fired for buying X. Well, sometimes you do, right? If you're, you know, as these market transitions happen, new vendors and new leaders emerge. And so if you if you just stick with your incumbent thinking they're going to get you to the next the next phase, think about it. Throughout IT history, it's never the incumbent that takes us into the next phase of whatever that technology is. And so don't don't be afraid to choose a new vendor because that's often the better choice. You should always ask questions. Always ask questions of your vendor. And if they are worth their salt, they will answer them. They will partner with you and they will make sure that you get the answers that you need to get your comfort level. I think this has been excellent. I'm loving the takeaways, proactive communications, integrated data, open platforms, and don't just buy into the cloud and platform hype. Challenge, challenge, challenge. Excellent. Zeus, fantastic. Thank you for joining us. And thank you, everyone, who has tuned in to this episode of the Dare to Reimagine podcast. We look forward to hearing you, seeing you, interacting with you on the next one. Dare to Reimagine customer experience with Five9. For over 20 years, Five9 has been helping companies worldwide chart a path to a reimagined CX. Learn more at 59.com. That's F-I-V-E, the number nine, dot com. You've been listening to Dare to Reimagine, a podcast for CX innovators brought to you by Five9. To make sure you never miss an episode, be sure to follow the show in your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Until next time.